Well, welcome to Life Church today. I'm Aaron Cole. It's great to see you. If you have a Bible, if you would turn with me to Joshua chapter 6. Joshua chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, it's going to be on the screen in a minute when we get to it. But uh, this is the first weekend of this new series called Operation. And this weekend we're talking about water on the knee. And if you are like me, when we first started this talking about this in our creative team, uh, and Eva kept saying, we need to do water on the knee. And I'm like, why do we have to do water on the knee? What is water on the knee? I mean, what's the big deal? I never really, you know. And, um, but water on the knee is basically things that are in your life that aren't supposed to be there. And the more we got walking through this process of some of the things we wanted to talk about, which we've got some great subject matter we're going to be talking about over the next couple of weeks, uh, it was more apparent. This is something, man, this is a great way to spring into this. And, uh, and that's really what I want to talk to you about today is obstacles that are in your life. When you're at point A and you're trying to get to point B, and point B being the thing that you feel like God's called you to do. And I believe everybody has a call on their life. I believe everybody, there's a reason why you're here. Jeremiah says that God's given you a future and a hope. There is a, I, Aaron Cole, am created to blank. There is a reason for you being here. There's a reason for you to be on this planet. There's a purpose that God has for your life. And when you find that purpose and you walk into that purpose, when you kind of drive in that lane, if you will, all of a sudden, you begin to see God things happen in your life. And so I hope that, that today, this either kind of provokes your thinking in that type of, of, of a sense to say, what is that promise or what is that dream? What is that purpose that God's got for me? And if you know what it is, I'm going to give you something that will either help you today or help you tomorrow. Because anytime we're in a journey trying to accomplish what God's put in our heart to accomplish, we find ourselves... And these water-on-the-knee moments. And these moments where there are obstacles. Where there are things that are in our life that have, we don't know how they got there. We don't know where they're coming from. Maybe we do know the origin. Maybe we do know, hey, we overextended ourselves here. Or we pushed a little hard here. Or, or we tried something that didn't work out over here. But regardless, between where we are and where we think God wants us to be, there is this obstacle. There is this thing that seem, seemingly stands in our way that keeps us or could prevent us from actually fulfilling the will of God for our life and for getting to the promise that God has. And today, we're looking at a passage of Scripture that really deals with a group of people that we should be pretty familiar with, or you may know from Bible school or vacation Bible school or Sunday school or just from, uh, uh, just from reading the Bible. And that is the children of Israel, the nation of Israel. And what's happened up to this point, just to make a really long period of history uh, very short, is that they were under bondage in Egypt. God exiled them or brought them out through Moses, uh, this great leader. And uh, basically, they, they come into the desert, and they're on their way to the promised land. But the people that make it out of Egypt don't have the ability to really see the promise for what it is. And what happens in the context of that is that they basically just kind of settle down. They just kind of go, you know, we're just going to kind of hang out here. And, uh, and so that's what they do for 40 years, the Bible says. The Bible says that God got so mad at them, that he said, look, because I, I, God is, you know, God created the heavens and the earth, and he expects you and I just to follow him, right? If he says it, then it can happen. And, and sometimes he forgets that we're human and that, and that uh, our own humanity in our flesh gets in the way. And so God basically says, look, for, for the next 40 years, because you can't believe in me and you can't believe to take hold of the promise, what was going to take you 40 days from Egypt to the promised land is going to take you 40 years and an entire generation is going to die off in the wilderness. And I'm going to take care of you, and I'm going to prove myself faithful and, and all of that. But at the end of the day, 
I've got this place for you to go. So for 40 years, these people have been hearing about the promised land. For 40 years, the people have been going for the promised land. For 40 years, there's been some of them been waiting for other people to die off for the promised land. I know that sounds morbid, but it's really true. And, and so what happens is, is Moses is one of those people. And so Moses dies. Joshua who is this young protege under Moses, emerges by the hand of God and by the blessing of Moses, is the leader of the nation of Israel. And he says, okay, today is the day. Joshua chapter 1, we quote this verse all the time. Choose you this day whom you will serve as for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. And Joshua makes a declaration. If you're for me, you're for me. If you're against me, you're against me. We're, you know, we're, we're, we're going forward. We're going to do what God's called us to do. And these people remember still, some of these people remember, but there are giants in the land and there are cities to overtake. And here's the basic essence of what was happening. God told Israel that they would not be a nomadic people, but that they would have a place on this planet. That they would have a, a span of earth that they would occupy. Now, from then until now, that's what you hear about the Palestinians and the Israeli and the whole, the whole Gaza Strip and everything's happening in the Middle East. They're fighting over the land that God gave them all the way back. In this passage. That's how old this battle is. That's why it's so near and dear to them. That's the reason why that, 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 uh, that we better take to the side of, of Israel. As, even as a people. Because, and pray for God to bless them. Because God's hand is on them. And gave them this land a long, long, long time ago. But from there until now. It's not a political thing. It's a God thing. That's turned into a political thing today. But it, just, it, it, didn't, it didn't originate that way in Joshua chapter 6. God tells them, now's the time to go take a hold of this land. And what's going to happen is you're going to have to go through, and you're going to have enemies you're going to have to fight and overcome. You're going to have obstacles you're going to have to deal with. You're going to have cities that are going to be fortified. There are going to be giants that are in the land. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to drive out all the inhabitants, and I'm going to give you the land, and I'm going to set you up. And what will happen is there will be a corporate blessing to the nation of Israel. You will all occupy the land as a nation, but there'll be an individual blessing so that if you will go in as a group of people, not only will the entire nation occupy, but the 11 of the 12 tribes of Israel, Israel was broken into 12 tribes, you will all have a parcel of land. And that parcel of land then will be divided amongst everybody and you will homestead the property. You will have your own acreage. So every family will no longer be nomadic. You'll have land to farm and I'll bless the land and, I'll, and I will raise you up to be a great people. And so there's an individual blessing and a promise and there's a corporate blessing and a promise. I mean, the only group that doesn't get this are, are the ministers, the tribe of Levi, because they're to serve the Lord and they're not to be connected to that. And so God will take care of them and, and has a plan for them. And so... That's the whole thing these guys are going after. This is a big, pretty hairy, audacious goal if you really want to get down to it. And, and Joshua says, okay, here is the step that we've got to go. And Joshua chapter 6, he says, we are going to go in and we are going to begin to take a hold of the promise. And the very first city is Jericho. Jericho was a city, the Bible says, who was tightly shut up. Jericho was a city whose walls were so thick and so fortified that they would race chariot races competitively on top of the walls of this city. This, this wasn't like some lean-to. This wasn't like some little wooden fort with some little stakes out here in a, in a prairie somewhere. I mean, this was a fortified city and people that inhabited the city. And, and so it was something to go after, but it was also something that they were like, how are we going to do this? And here's what I want to say to you, is that when you're dealing with obstacles in your life, in order to get to the promises of God, sometimes those obstacles are not necessarily obstacles, but they're actually opportunities for God to show up and prove himself to you and to make provision in your life. And the obstacle that you're facing today, 
that you're thinking in your mind, that you're thinking in your heart, that you're kind of mulling over, that you're going, there's no way I'm, I'm going to be able to overcome this. There's no way I'm going to be able to do this. There's no way that I have the ability to, overdo, to overcome that. Here's the obstacle. Here's the big thing. Here's the thing that blocks my path. I just want to remind you, you're not the first person that God promised something to that's facing an obstacle. But God has the ability, because he's no respecter of person, to take that obstacle, turn it into an opportunity, and to bless you. Joshua chapter 6, verse 1, the Bible says this. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went in, no one came out. They were prepared for war. Verse 2. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. Oh, really? Okay, along with its, with, with its king and its fighting men. So I want you to march around the city. This is God's game plan. March around the city once with all the armed men and do this for six days and have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in the front of the ark, which represent the presence of God, the power of God. And on the seventh day, march around the city seven times and with the priests blowing the trumpets. And when you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout, then the wall of the city will collapse. The wall that's so wide that chariots race on top of it. And the army will go in and everyone straight in. So Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests together and said to them exactly what God told them. Skip on down to verse number 11. And so he had the ark of, of the Lord and he carried around the city, circling, circling it once. Then the army returned to the camp and they spent the night now there. So he's, he's obeying exactly what God tells him to do. Verse 14. So on the second day, they marched around the city once, and they returned to the camp, and they did this for six days. So every day they would get up, they would march around the city with the Ark of the Covenant, which represented the power of God. They did exactly as God said, and they'd go sit down. Can you imagine what the people inside the city of Jericho were thinking? These crazy Christians, they're getting, come on, let's, don't, don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. These people, how do they think they're going to do? They pray to their God, they have this strange box, and there are seven priests with ram horns, because that, that, they could tell by the way they were dressed, and they're walking around this city. What do they think they're going to accomplish? I, I can just imagine. And so uh, they do this, and on, from verse 15, on the seventh day, they got up at daybreak, and they marched around the city seven times. Every other day, even one time, but seven times. And in the same manner... Except on that day, they circled around the city seven times. Now, these were millions of Israelites. You realize when they left Egypt, there were close to three million. And God had taken them into the desert. So you had a generation that died off, but you had a generation that was born. And so, I mean, this wasn't like a hundred people walking around these city walls. I mean, you could have heard the rumbling of these people walking. And on the seventh time, when the priest sounded the blast, Joshua commanded the army, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. And the city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Let's go on down to verse 20. And when the trumpet sounded and the army shouted at the sound of the trumpet, the men gave a loud shout and the wall collapsed. And so everyone charged straight in and they took the city and they devoted the city to the Lord and destroyed with the sword every living thing in it. See, Jericho really wasn't an an obstacle. Jericho was really an opportunity. And Jericho, they thought was going to be a problem. Really, when they did it God's way, it, it, it turned out to be an opportunity for God to show up in their life. And when you begin to partner with God, the key to turning the obstacle into an opportunity is that partnership with God. 
When you do it on your own, oh yeah, that's an obstacle. Because there's no way you can do it. The walls are so wide, you can't get around them. They're so tall, you can't get over them. They're so low, you can't get under them. I mean, it's something that you don't have the ability to do. But when you begin to partner with God, what happens is, is that God takes that obstacle that stands in the way from where you are to where you want to be, from where you are to the dream that God's given you, from where you are to the promises he's given you. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's marriage. Maybe it's children. Maybe, maybe you, you desire to have kids. And that's a, that's a desire of your heart that it seems like there's an obstacle. We just can't do this. And the doctor says that we can't do this. Maybe it's, maybe you just feel like, man, I have tried so many times. You just don't understand. You don't know what's going on. I want to be married and I want to have that relationship, but it just doesn't seem like it's there for me. But, but I feel like God told me that a long time ago, but it just hasn't worked out. You know, maybe it's a situation where you're trying to get to the next level and you just don't feel like you can. Maybe you're trying to get a business off the ground. You're trying to start a business and everybody thinks you're crazy because of the economy. And uh, maybe you're trying to buy your first home. Maybe you're trying to, I don't know where you are. But God's put a promise in your heart. God's put a dream in your heart. God's put something in you that resonates. And as I'm talking about it, even those of you that feel like, man, the, 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 the flame is gone. It's starting to flicker now. And you're, well, maybe I'll just allow myself to think about this for a few minutes. Do that. Because what I'm telling you is the obstacle that keeps you from accomplishing that, God can use as an opportunity if you'll partner with him. That's the key is partnering with God. And when you partner with God, there's a couple things that happens. It's just right out of this passage. First of all, God has a part and you have a part. This is real simple, but it's right here. God has a part and you have a part. Verse 2 and verse two, uh, 3, the Bible says, See that I've given Jericho into your hand and you shall march around the city. See, a wrong attitude that we have sometimes is if God wants it done, he'll do it. If God really didn't want this to be a problem, he'd take care of it. I'll just sit back, max and relax, let God take care of it. No, 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 no. God works in partnership with humanity. If Israel would have taken that response, they'd still be in the desert. If Israel would have taken that response, they would have never inhabited the promised land. If Israel would have taken that type of perspective, they'd have never gone. No, 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 no. God won't do everything for you, but he will do it through you. That's the key. You. When Jesus does every miracle he does in the New Testament, look, to every single person that he ministers to, he asks them to do the impossible. To the person that's blind, he says, open your eyes and see. To the person that's lame, he says, rise and walk. To the person that's dead, he says, he says come forth. What they have the impossibility of doing, what they have the inability to do, God shows up and does. Because God delights in partnering with us. God delights in, in you having a part and me having a part. You having a part and me having a part. And I'm going to tell you, if it, in order to accomplish the dream that God's put in your heart and in your life, in order for him to accomplish the dream he wants to put in my life and in my heart, here's the reality. I'm going to have to partner with God, which means I have a part. And i got to own that part. And i got to do my part. And I've got to do whatever that may be. And that may be, be mundane. That may be simple. It may be as easy as walking around a city for seven days. But I have to do my part. Because if I'm going to allow that obstacle to become an opportunity to overcome, to be able to be a gateway in order for me to get what God wants me to have in my life and to see the, 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 his provision and his blessing, I got to do my part. The second thing that happens when I partner with God is that God takes the impossible and he leaves the possible for me. God takes the impossible and he leaves the possible for me. That's the good news. I got a part, but I get the, I get the possible part. God never asked people to do what they were unable to do, even in this passage. Now, if you read in chapter 5, something that you'll notice... And I was talking with someone about this, this message, and, and this kind of came out. Uh, and, and I never noticed this before, so I went back and I reread it after our conversation. And Joshua, in chapter 5, in order to have consecration unto God and to renew the vow that they had made to God 40 years earlier, 
has all of the men circumcised. I don't think I need to draw any pictures for anybody, but, um, but, but that, that's a serious deal. You go to grown men and you say, hey, everybody's going to be circumcised here in the nation of Israel. Nobody's really standing in line really getting excited about that. Mm, don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. Because going to go, oh, my goodness, he just said circumcision. I can't believe that. Where's that going? Well, it's in the Bible, even in the King James, so don't get mad at me. Here's the reality. Think about it logically. These men could not have fought if they wanted to. They were healing They had the inability to do that. So God didn't ask them to pick up swords. God didn't ask them to pick up arrows. God didn't ask them to do hand-to-hand combat. God simply asked them to do what they had the ability to do in their healing state after they had consecrated themselves physically before God, and that was to walk. Can I tell you that when God is taking you to the place that you desire and that, and that you feel like is a dream and the promise for your life and that, that, that obstacle that seems to be in, in, in the place, God will never ask you what you, don't, what you don't have the ability to do. God will always ask you to do the possible. Maybe a little painful, but it won't be overexerting. It may be a little sore, but you're, you're going to be all right. It, it may take a little something, but it's the ability that you have the ability to do. He knew those men couldn't fight, but they could walk. So all I need you to do is walk. Well, why do I want you to walk? Because I want you to do something that shows and that demonstrates that you're listening to my voice and that you're being obedient to what I want you to do. Because it's easy to say, well, I believe. How do I know you believe? Well, it's in my heart, I believe. No, 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 no. God wants us to demonstrate. God, God, God wants us to, to live that out. And God will ask you to do, and he will ask me to do, not what we don't have the, the inability to do, but what we have the ability to do. And see, possible and easy are not always synonymous. Sometimes we think, well, if it's possible, then it's easy. No, 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 no. It's going to take a little something. It, it, it's not going to maybe be the easiest thing that you've done, but it will be possible. It's attainable. It's something that you have the ability to do. It's what you have in your hand. Because God never operates in leaps of faith. He's always operates in steps. The steps of a righteous man are order of the Lord. Not the leaps. Not a blind leap of faith. There's no business. That holds no theological water. But the possible, the thing that God has asked you to do. What is that thing? Maybe the reason why you haven't seen the fulfillment of the promise is because you haven't been obedient to do that one thing. And you go, but it's no big deal. But, but it's an act of obedience. But, but it's, it, it's an act of obedience. Maybe it's a devotional time with him. Maybe it's giving up something. Sometimes we have to let go of something in order, order to attain something else. Sometimes we have to let go and take a step of faith and leave the job in order to accomplish what he wants us to accomplish. Sometimes we have to trust in him. And, and you know, maybe I've seen people that, that, that want marriage. They want to be married. And, and they're so wanting marry, marriage so bad that it's almost like they put off this, they emit this radar that just says, I'm desperate. Please marry me. And so everybody's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't want that kind of commitment. Instead of just loving God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength and allowing God to bring that person to them, they're trying to open doors and create doors. It may just be giving that to God. Sometimes we try too hard. We just don't do what he asks us to do. See, God didn't want Israel to try to knock the wall down. He didn't want Israel to try to, to go in and destroy the army. He didn't want Israel to, to confront. He just wanted Israel to do what was possible, and he would do the impossible. That leads me to the third thing. God puts his super onto our natural. God always puts his super onto our natural. When we will do the possible, he will show up and do the supernatural. Verse 20, so the people shouted, the priest blew the trumpet. All possible things, all natural. And when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted, again, all natural, with a, with a, with a great shout, the supernatural, the wall fell down flat, and the people went into the city 
and every man straight ahead, and they took the city. I'm just going to say something, um, and I don't mean to be offensive by this at all, but when you are going to pursue a dream or a promise that God has for you, you're going to, God's supernatural is going to have to show up at some point. If everything that you, listen, if your dreams and your life are attainable by you, they're too small. If your dreams and the promises that God has for you in your life, everybody kind of yawns when you say it, it it's, too, it's too small. If you don't make people uncomfortable, as a pastor, let me, let me just pick on me for a minute because I can see some of you going, ooh, I'm feeling a little uncomfortable right now. Here's the deal. If, I, if the dreams that I talk about from this platform of what God wants us to do are things that, that, that we have the ability to do, that we have the ability to budget, that we have the ability to accomplish, they're too small. If, 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 if the dreams that we talk about don't make people uncomfortable sometimes, don't run some people out of church, don't shout me down when I preach you good. Because there's some people that just go, oh, that did he wants too much commitment. That's just going to cost too much. He wants me to actually get involved. He wants me to actually give of my time to the house of God. I just can't do it. He wants me to love unlovable people. Can you imagine that? Some of you go, some, he wants me to get into the inner city. And that's why I live in the suburbs, because I don't know about the inner city. Mm, I'm telling you. If your dreams don't disturb some people, if your dreams don't quake some people, if your dreams don't rattle some cages, if your dreams don't rattle some pots and pans, it's because it's too small. It's too desirable. Because I'm telling you, the things that God wants to do in your life and in my life, are the Bible says, are furthermore, furthermore than what we could ever imagine or think. His dreams for your life, the things that he's put in you, listen to me, the things that he's put in you, the gifts and the talents and the abilities are beyond anything you can imagine or think. That's the reason why the Bible says that God is not some cosmic killjoy in the heavenlies just wanting to crush your dreams and shrink you like a pair of 501 Levi button fly shrink to five blue jeans. He wants to enlarge you. He wants to bless you. He wants to give you a future and a hope. And many times we walk out and go, well, no, not me. God doesn't love me like that. No, you just don't understand. I'm just not, well, it just doesn't work like that. No, what, I, what you don't understand is it's called the word of God. And God is no respecter of persons. And the principles and the precepts of God's word and the promises of God's word, he will uphold. But the question is, will you trust him for that? The question is, will you get out of the boat and walk on the water? The, the question is, will you trust him? Will you actually walk around the walls of the city? The question is, will when he tells you to shout, will you shout? Will you lend your voice? Will you do what you have the ability to do in the natural and allow him to put the supernatural? That sounded really southern, didn't it? Him, him to put the supernatural onto it because that's what he wants to do. And some of you, the reason why you haven't seen miracles in your life is because you haven't exerted the natural for him to put the supernatural on. Because he don't put the super on nothing. He puts the super on your natural. That's why it's called supernatural. I know it's really deep, but there it is. But I'm telling you, the vision and the dream and the plan that God has for you, you need to stir that up. You need to fan the flames of that because nobody else is going to do it for you. But God has put things in your heart and in your life that he wants you to accomplish. And it may not be big to anybody else, but it's big to you because it doesn't really matter if it's big to anybody else, does it? You don't stand before God for anybody else. You stand for God for yourself, for your marriage, for the way you raise your kids, for the way you love your spouse for how you live your life, for the way you run your business. But I'm telling you, in January, I preached a series called LTD, Living the Dream. And I had more response on that series than I have in any other series I have done in a while. 
And any time I even hit the nerve of dream, whether it's preparing for provision, that provision precedes, uh, 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 that preparation precedes provision, digging the ditch, doing believing God, stretching, all of a sudden they're just lights, man. Oh, I get emails that whole week. My Facebook lights up. My Twitter lights up. Everything lights up because everybody's going, that's me. Because there's something inside of us that says, I got a dream. I got this plan. I got this desire. God's put this here. I don't know how to do this. But when you talked about it, it was like it was the word of God that gave you faith. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And it illuminates that in your life. That's what that is. It's not me. It's him. And I'm just telling you that in order to accomplish things that God's called us to accomplish, it will take the supernatural. And if it doesn't take the supernatural to accomplish what your dream is in your life, it's too small. If the dream that you have, you can do it on your own, it's not a God-sized dream. For your life, for your family, God wants to do that. And the fourth thing that we see that happens is that when that dream is fulfilled, God's kingdom advances. Not just you, the kingdom advances. That's probably why God wants to do it. Verse 16, for the Lord has given you the city. God will use the defeat of the Jerichos in your life to advance his kingdom. See, what happens is when you dream a dream and you trust him for the, and you do the possible and you trust him for the impossible and you do the natural and you allow him to put his super onto your natural, what happens in your life is that you grow and you move forward and the gates of hell can't prevail against that. And what happens is, is that God's name is exalted. His glory is, is, is made famous. And in doing so, his kingdom advances because then people around you go, wow, there is something about this God. Hey, there really is something about this. This isn't just something that you do on the weekends. This isn't just something that some crazy little cultic group that you go to. There, there, there is really a God. This really does work. This really does. And the world that we're looking at, let, let me say this, the world that's looking at you isn't looking for the natural. They're not looking for the gimmicky. They're not looking. They want to see the supernatural power of God show up in your life. And all of a sudden they see your life that you once were walking this way, now you're walking that way. You once talk like this, and now you talk like that. You once were lost, but now you're found. You were blind, but now you see. And I'm going to tell you, people can't shut that out. And when you dream a dream, that's a God dream. And when you don't allow the obstacles to become obstacles, you turn them into opportunities because greater is he that's, that's in you than he that's in the world. And that you overcome, all of a sudden what happens is, boom, the light turns on. All of a sudden, the kingdom of God advances. All of a sudden, God begins to build his kingdom and he begins to do it and do it through you. You know how he's going to bless this church? Through you. He's not going to do it through me. He's going to do it through you. He's going to bless the work of your hands. He's going to bless your marriages. He's going to bless your kids. He's going to bless your finances. He's going to bless you because you're the one that's out there every day going, hey, man, you've got to come. Hey, you've got to hear about this. Hey, we've got a friend weekend coming up on, on, on this 15th and 16th. And won't you come be my guest? And, and that comment, hey, I want to tell you what's happening in our church. Hey, want to until they're so either sick and tired of you talking about your church. But some of you have friends like that. You're smiling, I can tell. Fine, I'll go. And then God shows up and does something amazing in their life. Or they go, really? And you invite them and they come and they see. Don't forget, that's exactly what Philip did. He just simply went to his brother Peter and says, will you come and see this man named Jesus? Now Peter led the New Testament church. Peter was a choice disciple. Peter was the one that preached and 3,000 people were saved that day on the day of Pentecost. Peter was the one who God exalted to use the New Testament church. But don't forget... When Peter stands before God and God reads through the annals of history of all the great things that, that God that's happened through Peter, there'll be one greater than Peter. His name is Philip, his brother. Because Philip led Peter to Jesus.
you may not preach to thousands. You may not preach to Colosseums. They may not crucify you upside down on a Roman cross because you feel like you're not worthy to be crucified right side up the way Jesus was. That's how Peter died. Don't try to be Peter. Just say, man, I'm going to be like Philip. I'm just going to tell one beggar. I'm just going to be one beggar, tell another beggar where to find food. I'm just simply going to do this. Because what happens is the miracles of the dreams and the promises of God being fulfilled in your life, it opens the door for, for the kingdom of God to advance. And the, and the next thing is that every time that happens, God's always preparing you for the next level. Don't forget that. God's never just helping you get through an obstacle or helping that obstacle become an opportunity just for you to be able to have a victory. Yay, go team. It's for the next win because there's always another fight. There's always another conflict. There's always another day. Verse 27, so the Lord was with Joshua. And because he was with Joshua, his fame was in all the land. Every time God gives you victory in one area, he's taking you to the next level. He's growing you. He's developing you. It's what Luke says. Jesus said in Luke's gospel that if you become faithful and little, I'll make you ruler over much. Proverbs says it this way, that the way to the master's chamber is through the servant's quarters. You want to do great things? It's going to happen in steps. You, 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 you want to do great things for the kingdom? It's going to happen in steps. And every time God over, you see God do something in your life, it builds your faith. I can tell you today, I have more faith today for, for building a local church than I did 10 years ago before I came here. Why? Because I've seen God do some things. I've seen God show up and do some things. And it builds me, and it builds me, and it builds me, and it builds me. And it's the same way in you. Every time. And we look at those obstacles. And, man, we don't want the Jerichos in life. We don't want to have to walk around the wall seven days. We don't want to have to deal with that. We don't like the uncertainty. We don't like feeling foolish. And what are these, the Jericho people, whatever you call them, Jerichonians, I don't know. What, they're looking at us weird, and I don't want that. And, and I can't explain this. And they don't understand the priests and the trumpets. And they don't understand why we're all walking around outside. And, and, but this is what God, what you've told me to do. The reality is God's really setting you up to develop you and to grow you every single step of the way. Every single step of the way. See, you just thought that you're having a struggle to get married to find that right person. It has nothing to do with finding the right person. It has everything to do with God's developing a great thing inside of you to take you to a level. And when you submit yourself to God, then he'll begin to move in your life. You just thought that, that, man, you just got fired. No, no, no. It's just because of the reality is, is that it wasn't because you're a horrible, terrible person. It's simply because God put you into a place where there's only one way out, and that's his way. And he wants to put you in there. You just thought that, you know, man, that, that this was just a, a terrible, terrible, terrible thing that just happened in your life. And, and you don't know how you're, no, no, no. He's allowed some things to come into your life to develop you and to strengthen you. That if you'll do it his way, if you won't look at them as obstacles, but as opportunities for his glory and for his grace, he'll show up. And what he'll do, he'll take you to the next level and to the next level and to the next level. But, but man, you don't realize I, I, I lost the last time. Hey, but you learned, didn't you? You'll never do that again. You'll never put your hand on that hot stove again. Okay, you're all right. Look, they're not going to kill you, and they can't eat you. So you're going to live. That's the good news, right? Amen? We sometimes go around like, oh, no, 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 no. No, no, he's always preparing us. Remember, the enemy to great isn't bad. It's good. Remember, the number one thing that you face is comfort. That's the number one enemy. This church, me, you, when we get to a certain level of comfort in life, that becomes our enemy. Because all of a sudden, things are comfortable. I don't know if I want to mess with comfortable. I don't know if I really want to take a risk with comfortable. You know, man, well, I didn't have anything. 
I would risk everything. But, ah, man, I got something now. And I don't know if I want to risk it now. And I don't know if I want to do it now. And so what happens is you start playing safe. You know what happens with that? You plateau and you decline. Remember, God's always taking you to that next level. And the last thing is, is that God invites partnership. He doesn't, he doesn't force it. God invites partnership. He doesn't force partnership. I know this is simple. Uh, I know this message is, is really, really, really simple. But I, I just want us to, to, to understand that I believe that God's put a plan and a purpose, a dream and a promise in every one of our lives. And I just want to remind you of that. It's the water on the knee thing. Don't allow things in your life that aren't supposed to be there to sidetrack you or to derail you. Allow them not to be obstacles, but to be opportunities for God to show up. But corporately, the same thing is true with us as a church. I don't mean corporately in the sense of like business. I mean corporately like in the sense of, of as a group, collectively. And I think about this whole thing because this has been the whole journey of Life Church. I mean, I, I, you know, this church started with 35 people in 2000. And it started because Dr. David Arnett, the pastor of Evangel Assembly of God on Good Hope Road, invited a group of people that I believe are lion chasers. Lion chasers are people that don't see things as obstacles but as opportunities. They don't run away from the lions. They run to the lions. And they believe that greater is he that's in them than he that's in the world, and that they can do all things through Christ who strengthens them. Now, there's a lot of people that can quote that verse, but there's not a lot of people that can live that verse. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. You know exactly what I'm talking about. And what Dr. Arnett did was say, hey, you've got an opportunity to partner with God. And God to partner with you. Not going to be a lot of money. There's no security. It may not work. Matter of fact, most church plants don't work. The success rate is not real great. It's like any businesses. But the ones that do, man, look out. And that first two years... That band of lion chasers faced and fought hell. Because there's always a sifting. There's always conflict. Always. 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 And they grew to 100 people, which is miraculous. But they did because God's hand was on them. And in 2002, this will be my 10th Christmas here. I got a phone call in September. And a friend of mine from Detroit said, Aaron, I know that God's been dealing with your heart about planting a church. I know you want to plant a church, but I'm going to tell you of a church plant that started that's gotten derailed, not because of the people, but because of, of, of the pastor that's been removed, and they're looking for a pastor. They're in a storefront, the whole deal, and, and I really think you could do well. Matter of fact, I think you could do so well that I've given them your name. Thanks, I appreciate that. Like friends like that? So where is it? Because I'm thinking, it's Boca Raton, Right? San Diego, palm trees, warm breeze, Santa Ana winds this time of year. Milwaukee. And immediately I said, Wisconsin? He said, yeah. I said, I'll pray about that one. Because the only time I'd ever been to Milwaukee was in April. And I was in, I was in Chicago land for a conference. And we drove to the border and had our picture taken, me and a couple buddies. And I remember thinking... This is so cold, and it's April, and the grass is beautifully green, but there's no leaves on the trees, and the wind is, and the snow is coming down, and it's April. 
I get off the phone and Tammy, I said, who is it? And I said, told her who it was and what would you want? And, and uh, she said, you know, uh, I said, is it church? Oh, yeah, really? Where is it? And I think she's thinking the same thing. And, and I said, Milwaukee. She said, Wisconsin. I said, yeah. And she said the three, the words that just kind of sealed it for us. I'm not moving to Wisconsin. Don't ever tell God what you won't do. Now, I don't know why this doesn't work when you say, I'm not going to move to Hawaii. That never works, right? <laughs> but if you say Arkansas, it's going to... And we could not get it out of our system. Couldn't get it out of our system. So I had a phone call, and one phone call led to another phone call, and another phone call, and another phone call. And I told her, I said, I think this is God. As bizarre as this sounds, we know no one. We have no connection, no clue. But I'm telling you, there's something about these people, and we just have to walk this out. And as soon as we said, yes, Lord, we'll, we'll go and check things out, was immediately when I had people going, you're crazy, you're nuts, there's no way. I'm just telling you, it just doesn't work like that, and you're, you need to stay in this area, and I can't believe you're going to leave this church. And, and then I had other opportunities to go to other churches, good churches, good paying churches, Comfortable situations. Because remember, the enemy of, of great isn't good. It's, 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 uh, isn't bad. It's always good. It's that comfort level. But when God's put something in your heart, when God's put something in there, you have to walk that out. And I remember coming. And from the very first people that we met until, and, until that, that whole weekend, we sat in that hotel room and going, we don't understand this, but we know that God has a plan. And God simply spoke to our heart these words. I'm going to build a great church here with these people. And I'm simply asking you to be a part. Partnership. From then to the next couple of years, again, still no more clarity. Just trying to go, God, we got to do this and we got to do that. And we got to develop this and develop that. And, and I'm doing things. And quite frankly, sometimes I'm doing things. You go, hey, you know what? If I get fired, I'm moving to Boca Raton. And if it works, it works. Great. There's no downside to this. And so I'm just, right? And I'll never forget in 06, We'd been on a journey for about a year trying to find property. And I had been calling. I had been writing. I had gone through the tax rolls myself. I was knocking on the doors of farmers' houses saying, would you sell us some property? And the property that, that, that there were certain individuals in the community that wanted us to have was over in a very obscure location. And I remember sitting in a planning meeting and saying, we will not be relegated to some obscure backroads location. What God wants to do here, he will do in the center of this town. I don't know how he'll do it. And those people thought we were crazy. I remember looking at places, and these people wouldn't, I'm just telling you, it was just they thought we were nuts, like we were walking around the walls of the city. But God was working. And I'll never forget when I got the phone call from Howard Farrell about buying the shopping center. Because we don't just own the six acres on the north end. We own the parking lot. We own the buildings. We own the shopping center. And him giving us this shopping center that appraised for $4 million for $1.75 million. Man. And we signed on the dotted line. We were 300 people at that time. And we were believing that God was going to do something great. And we were living and giving our life and leaning so heavily on God's word that if it were to move, we'd fall. And as you fast forward now, these nine, ten years, we look back and all of a sudden, I mean, there have been, there have been thousands of people that have given their life to Christ. There have been hundreds or maybe even uh, 1,500, 2,000 water baptisms that have taken place. There, there has been millions of dollars given to ministry and to missions through this church. And you just go, wow. 
And even when I pull in the parking lot, maybe you're here for the very first time and you're already thinking this. I'm like, wow, really? In here, this Alpine-esque, beautiful facade on the outside and these blue signs that light up the night, that is intentional. They don't match. That's intentional. And it just reminds me every time, God's building his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And the things that have seemed like obstacles along the way have actually been opportunities for God to grow and develop us to advance the kingdom and to do what he wants to do. And so today I have some kind of cool news to accept, to, to tell you because the next 90 days we're in this last leg of Prime 29 of paying off this property. And then at the same time, I ask you to be in prayer because we're in meetings right now with architects trying to develop and design a building that will be palatable for the city as well as it will work for our budget. And that's sometimes tricky, but we're trying to do that. And, 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 and at the same time, trying to build something that's large enough that we'll be able to, be able to, to create seats because that's really all we're trying to do. It's not a building. God, people, people aren't attracted to buildings. People don't care about buildings, but they need a seat. And the number one unchurched hour of the week is at 10, 11 o'clock time frame. And if I could duplicate that by six times, I wouldn't build another building, but I can't. The number one traffic visitor flow we have in a weekend is 11 o'clock service. I don't know why it just is. It's just the most un, uninterrupted hour of the week, and people show up. And so we know we've got to create seats, and so we're trying to do that through the building. We're working through the budgeting process. It's crazy right now just trying to secure financing because everything's kind of nutty in the world in which we live in and doing all that kind of stuff. But God's going to make it through, and he's going to see us through. And I just want to show you something cool that God's been doing just in the last 30 days. I'm going to ask these guys to put up some slides, and I'm going to walk you through this. We purchased this property for $1.75 million in 2006. Again, the recession hit, so I kind of backed off because I want to be, I'm a shepherd, I have a pastor's heart, and I'm not ever trying to push any further than what we need to. But since then, this is how much money's been given. Go ahead, guys. $1,426,829.60. So majority of it's already been given. So the average, the, the current payoff right now today, guys, go ahead, next slide, is $323,170.45. It's not a lot. That's amazing. But, but, but there's more. The average payoff has been 200, go ahead guys, put it up there, $285,365.92 every year. We've just been just walking it out, taking the steps, walking around the city. And, and so we have, go ahead, next slide. We have 90 days left for Prime. This is where we're at. We're in, this 90 last, we're in, we're in the red zone right now. We're, we're about to close in to, to win the game. And the goal, go ahead guys, next slide, the goal by 20 excuse me, by the end of the year is going to be a zero balance to have that, 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 uh, that, that $323,000 paid off by that time. So let's go back, go back to the current payoff. Go ahead, guys, next slide. The current payoff is $323,000. We've, we've already said that. Now let me show you what's been happening. Uh, in the next 90 days, just from the general fund, go ahead to the next slide, there'll be a $30,000, just $10,000 a month that just comes out of every time you, br you bring the tithe, we just take that out. And we put that against. We've been doing that since day one. So that gives us a new balance on that then of 293000 Now, in the last 30 days, God's spoken to the hearts of some people at Life Church, And they've decided that, hey, this is what God's put in their heart to do. And, uh, and it's been pretty amazing. And so 
they're, they're going to say, hey, dollar for dollar, we'll match up to this amount. Go ahead, guys, put it up here. So $125,000. So that means if you give $10, it turns into 20. If you give 100, it turns into, in, into, into uh, 200. If you give 1,000, it turns into 2,000. You give 10,000, it turns into 20,000. I don't care where you live in the world. If you could get that kind of return on your money, you would take everything you had and put it in there because you can't get that return anywhere. And so with that, the payoff is 168000 And then what I'm believing is we continue to be faithful and we're giving uh, to match these, this matching donation that's been given of $125,000. That will be another 125000 Go ahead, guys. And that'll give us a new balance of 43000 bucks. So you can grab your Diet Coke and a bag of Funyuns and you can watch it happen or you can be on the field. It's your choice, folks. But here's what I'm telling you is that in the last 30 days, God's beginning to speak to some people's hearts. And people go, you're crazy to try to do this in this day and age. Oh, we've already established that a long time ago. Thank you, guys. But here's the reality. God is at work. And, and corporately, what's happening is, is we're, we've been partnering with God, and we've been on this journey. The same way I've been talking about how it applies to your life personally. And God's spoken to some people. And so in the next 90 days, I just encourage you, ask God what you're supposed to do. If you go, man, I, I've been doing Prime 29, just keep just being faithful. You can see how God's going to double your money without you doing anything more than what you're doing. Maybe you've, maybe you've paid off your commitment to Prime 29, and you go, hey, great, man. I would encourage you, is there something else that God wants you to do? If not, don't do it. But if it is, just ask him. Don't, you don't need to ask me. Ask him. You ask me, I'm going to tell you I need $43,195.65, right? There's no shame in my game. I won't turn anything down but my collar. I'm just telling you. Ask him. But here's what I will say. Get involved. Because he's moving. And I'm not saying that because I need your money. I'm telling you. You can fold your arms and walk out the door and go, he's all about money. And you can sit and watch it happen. This has nothing to do with me. But as your pastor, I'm telling you, the walls of the city are coming down. And God is building a church in this community that the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against. And I'm just letting you know, this is the last 90 days you've got an opportunity. Because from here on out, people will be, will, will be building the new building. That's great. But you won't be able to say, I was there when. You won't be able to walk people and go, I was here when we paid for the ground for this. I, I, I put the seed in that soil. You see, the next step is that we're going to see the promise fulfilled. And it won't be without obstacles. But those obstacles really aren't obstacles. They're really opportunities for God to show up and move. I want to pray for you, and then we're going to wrap things up. Father, I just feel, Lord, in this moment, just a hallowedness of this time. Lord, we know that you work, Lord, and that time, you're no, time doesn't hold you. But we know, God, through your word, that you work in specific moments and increments of time. There are seasons, the Bible says. And Lord, I feel like we are walking into a season where hell itself is going to fight against us. But if we lean not to our own understanding, but we acknowledge you in all of our ways, and we allow you to guide and direct our paths, you will give us strength, because you're never the author of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And Lord, we've been walking around this city. That's seemingly an obstacle, but it's not an obstacle. 
It's simply an opportunity, Lord, to be able to do what you've called us to do. Because we know that once we get to that zero balance, we're going to be able to move forward with freedom to do what you've called us to do. And that is create more seats to touch more people for eternity. Because we're thankful for those 35 people that gave to be here so that we all, myself included, would be able to be a part of this great church. And Father, I just pray that you would just speak to us. God, not because you need our money, but because you want our partnership. You won't force it, but you're inviting us. And even in this moment, you're inviting us to be a part of what you are doing. It's not my manipulation. It's not by guilt. It's not by pressure. You don't operate that way. But it's by the whisper of the Holy Spirit. And if we will but open our ears to hear, and we will open our hearts to receive what you want to do, Lord, you will bless us, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Shall men give unto us as we, Lord, become a conduit for what you want? That's what your word says. So I pray, Lord, for those in this room that has ears to hear, let them hear. Lord, those in this room that have, ear, that have a heart to receive, because not everybody does. Oh, everybody's got the ability to dream, but not everybody really gets out of the boat and dreams the dream. But God, for those in this room that do, I pray you speak. I pray you move. And Lord, for those individuals, God, who you spoke to, God, about partnering, about seeding this money to see this thing taken care of, I just pray, God, that you would continue to bless them and their families. And I thank you, God, for speaking to us and for partnering with us. In Jesus' name, amen.